So how many of you are feeling like Frankie? She's sitting up for office hours and she's saying this. Other people in my family are messing me up. How many of the rest of you feel like that this morning? And you have enough courage to lift your hand up. Man, if it wasn't for these other people in my family, if they could just get their stuff together, we would be fine. They're messing me up. This morning we're going to talk about the big C word, conflict, when it comes to our families. And so strap in. We've got some things to look at this morning. But we all deal with conflict in different ways. It's important to know how we deal with conflict. And so I'm going to ask you a couple questions. The first one is, when, when, I, when you think of conflict, what's the first image that comes into your mind? Like if you said to yourself, when I think of conflict, the first image that comes to my mind is blank. That's going to give you some indication of how you deal with conflict. Second question is this. When people around me get involved in an argument, I tend to blank. Okay. Third question. When I get upset with a family member, I am most likely to blank. Your answers to those three questions give you some indication of how you deal with conflict. Now, a couple of years ago, I discovered this course. It was called Confronting Conflict. Who wants to take that course here this morning? Who wants to take a course called Confronting Conflict? If conflict isn't bad enough, we're going to confront it, you know? And uh, so I, I made the staff actually take the course, and, and we went through the course. And in the introduction of the course, they talked about how you respond to conflict, and they gave these four different characters that kind of help us understand maybe and get a handle on how we de- handle conflict. The first one is a lion. And the, the lion, you know, looks like this, okay? If you're someone who goes on the attack when there is conflict... It doesn't actually even mean that you like conflict. Sometimes many lions go on attack in conflict just because they want to tackle it or they want to get it out of the way or they want to handle it. It isn't even that they love it and they love doing it. It's just like, this is a problem. Let's take it on. Let's go ahead and do it, okay? Uh, You might be a lion. You ask yourself these questions. You might be a lion if you secretly dream about being a WWF wrestling champion or a cage fighter. Okay, Uh, you might be a lion if you kick and you throw things when you're upset. Hopefully it's not people. Um, You might be a lion if you do or say things in the heat of the moment that you regret later and find yourself apologizing for. Um, You might be a lion if people tell you you are like a bulldog with a bone when it comes to getting your own way. People say that about you, okay? And you might be a lion if you would rather die than surrender. If when I say die and surrender, you say, okay, I'd rather die. Just rather die than surrender in a fight, okay? Uh, The second one is the possum. And the possum is the ones that play dead. These are kind of from the famous movie that came out, Frozen, not too long ago. And uh, you might be a possum if you have a long, skinny nose and buggy eyes. No, that's not it. Um, You might be a possum if you get anxious in conflict and you do whatever it takes to preserve harmony. Okay, you just... Get out the icing and put it all over the cake and we're okay. Uh, you might be a possum if, you, um, if uh, others perceive that you're way too nice at times. And they know that under that niceness, there's some opinions. You, you have a perspective, but you're not willing to, uh, to tell it. The, second, the third thing is you might be a possum if you avoid voicing your opinion very clearly. And you might be a possum if you curl up in a ball in the corner, acting as though you can see, hear, and speak no evil. You are a possum, okay? Um, you might be a rabbit. That was the next one. The rabbit runs from conflict. I love this one. Man, he's just taking off there, isn't he? 
That's an amazing picture. I just wanted to put it up here this morning when I found it. And uh, the rabbit is this. You might be a rabbit if you avoid talking about painful subjects, if you have lots of squishy spots. We all have squishy spots, things we don't talk about. But if you have many of them and uh, painful subjects, you just don't like to talk about them. You're a rabbit. Uh, you might be a rabbit if you zone out or physically even leave and find yourself walking out or leaving slowly and then all of a sudden where are they at oh they're in the other part of the house or they're outside or they're in the neighborhood or they've left the state you know they're not here you might be a rabbit if it comes to that um also you might be a rabbit if you retreat from problems to addictive indulgences if you go away and you need comfort somewhere else because you're not going to deal with that might be a rabbit the last one is a deer in the headlights deer in the headlights and uh, you freeze. These people freeze in conflict, okay? You might be a deer in the headlights if you have physical discomfort when conflicts arise. If you get a stomach ache or you start to hurt or, man, that fibromyalgia thing starts to all stir back up every time there's a conflict, you might be a deer in the headlights. If you procrastinate or put off addressing conflict, if you're someone who's like, oh, we'll deal with that some other time, you might be a deer in the headlights. If you stew on things and even lose sleep over conflict, you're probably a deer in the headlights. You just don't know what to do with it. So you keep stewing on it. And you're not quite sure how to handle it, okay? And if you have a feeling of being lost or not knowing what to do when conflict arises, you're a deer in the headlights. Now, these are just four kind of common uh, overall brushstrokes. And some of us deal with conflict in different ways. Like you may be a rabbit at home and you may be a lion at work, given your job description and what you have to do. In the community, you may be one way and at home, you might be another way. So this morning, we're predominantly want you to consider how are you in your home? What do you like in your home when it comes to conflict? And even you can change a little bit your approach to conflict when it comes to different things. There might be something that you're very comfortable uh, approaching or coming at, and you may even look like a lion over that subject because you're very comfortable with it, but another subject in your home you're not, so you may be a rabbit or a possum or something like that. When it, so you can even change up how you approach it given how comfortable you are with the situation and the issue that's at hand. But the truth is this, conflict is inevitable. <laughs> conflict is inevitable, right? It's all around us. It's inside of us. And I just want you to turn to the person next to you and just say that. Conflict is here. Conflict is here. Just say it. It's all around us. You know, and I know some of you started to point out what the conflict was. That isn't what I told you to do. Just say conflict is here. We were were just doing kind of a group uh, confessional there, okay? Okay, so sometimes it's hard to get along with our family, and sometimes it's hard for them to get along with us. And so you can choose your friends, but you don't get to choose your family, right? You're on assignment. God made that assignment, and they're your family. And this morning, we're not talking about smaller conflicts. There's smaller conflicts that we can work through, and we can negotiate, we navigate them, we work through them. We're talking about bigger conflicts that keep coming up. They're thematic in our relationship, or thematic in our family, and... uh, there are things that probably we need to keep working on some resolution, but it seems like when they come up, we're like, oh, can't we all just get along? Why do we have to have conflict about this again? Why do we have to go back through all these series? It's going to be the same thing. We're not going to come out of a good place. Can't we just bury our head in the sand? Can't we just walk away from this thing? 
and not deal with it? Why can't we all just get along? Well, the Word of God tells us where these ongoing, destructive kind of conflicts happen and where they come from. It says these words in James chapter 4. And many of you know this, but some of you might not, that James is a book in the New Testament, much like the book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament. James is what's called wisdom literature in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs and Psalms, and there's some of the minor prophets are considered wisdom literature because it has like observations about life and about people and about God. And when we read them and look at them, it almost has axioms or wisdom in it for us to follow. And that's kind of the way this passage is this morning. It has these big chunks or nuggets of wisdom in for us when it comes to conflict. And it says this about ongoing conflict. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have it because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit that he has caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why the Scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before God, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before God, and he will lift you up. Now, in studying this, I said this, I I told you, this is a piece of wisdom literature in the New Testament, so there are chunks of gold all through just a couple of these verses. There's no way that we can mine for all of them this morning. We'd be here through the afternoon. You'd miss the beginning. You'd miss the kickoff of the games and all that kind of stuff. You'd never be ready for that. So we're going to look at two different things this morning, and I formed them in the ways of questions. Two questions that we can ask ourselves that can help us deal with the ongoing destructive conflict in, in our families or in our homes that we can turn the tide on and find a new day with, okay? And so the first question is this. What if I stop trying just to get what I want? What if I stopped trying to get what I want? Many of you are thinking, well, what's the sense in that? Isn't that what conflict's about? Let's talk about what you want, let's talk about what I want, and then let's get what I want. (laughs) Right? That's how it works. But God's Word is very clear that these ongoing, caustic, destructive and alienating conflicts. Not all conflicts are like that, but there's some thematic conflicts that keep going on that are. They're destructive, they're caustic, they're eating away at our relationships, and these are the ones that God's Word is addressing here. And He says, where do they come from? They come from this idea, I want it my way. My way or the highway. And you are on the highway, and I'm not going to be on the highway. In my family, it was like this. We may fight, and someone's going to lose, but someone's going to die, and hopefully it's not me. (laughs) And we would. We were very, I mean, we could be very kind people, loving people about a lot of things, but 
man, if you got embroiled in some fight with my brothers and sisters or, or you know, family members, it was like, man, we're going to fight to the death. I'll chew your arm off and I might die doing it, but you're going to be hurting too when this is over. If I'm dead, there's going to be body parts missing from you. And it was pretty, pretty adamant about this. And it wasn't about everything. My family wasn't, weren't fighters about everything, but there were certain things where they would kind of snap and bam, the conflict arose and it was ugly. And God's word says, why does that happen? It happens because we are insistent that our way and our thinking and our even way of dealing with the conflict is the right way. Even those four styles, you can be insistent upon that. I'm not, I don't really see myself as a lion very often in life, but I think sometimes when it comes to conflict, I am. I think I insist on talking about it. And insisting on talking about it with my wife is like making her sit on a bed of nails and then pouring like, uh, you know, uh, uh, some, uh, uh, saying, hey, let me help you now and put some uh, isopropyl alcohol on you when you're done. That's hard for, that's not her preferred way. But I think it's the right way. We read books. We talk about things. We have a PowerPoint. We, <laughs> we do a presentation. You know? We do an, in, oh, let's do an inventory. Let's do another inventory. Let's go talk with other people about our problems. She's like, talk to other people about our problems? Are you crazy? But I think my way is the right way. It's not the right way. And God has to brought us together. He's assigned us together so we can learn his way. Not have my way, not have her way, but have his way. But we have some battles at times over that, don't we? And we do it with our children too. They have different ways of working out difficulties or conflict. And sometimes we're battling with them and we're saying, because I'm the parent, we're working it out this way. And they will find ways to subvert your way. Not just because they want to, but because they have a different way of approaching that problem. But what is common is that when we're, we're asserting, we have to have it my way. I have to have it my way. And God's word says that's destructive. It comes from within us. It even says here that we're willing to kill. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we're really willing to kill other people to have our own way? Do I need to discourage that this morning with you? If you guys were thinking of a murderous act tonight, hey, don't go through with it. Take that to Jesus and ask him, should I murder my spouse tonight? Should I murder my kids that have really been out of line lately? You know, should I take their life? They seem sweet when they're going to sleep, but then they wake up again. <laughs> Does he mean that? No, he's using this hyperbole. He's, he's speaking way off the chart. He's trying to get our attention. He's really trying to get our attention that these ongoing destructive struggles need to be attended to in a different way than what you've been doing it. He's trying to get our attention about it. Uh, at first, I thought when I read it, he was talking about the show Snapped. How many of you watch Snapped from time to time? Oh, no one's going to admit it. I've, I've seen parts of Snapped. Never watch. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. We have an addict back there saying, yeah, woo. You know, I, I get a little concerned if we're watching Snapped every day. I get a little concerned if we have cookies and coffee in the afternoon. Snapped is all about people who've lost it with a family member, friend, community member, and they kill them. They take their life. And it's called Snap. They snapped and they lost it. My in-laws like to watch that show a lot. And I'm concerned because they only live five houses down the road from me. <laughs> like, are they putting together a plan? 
But in Snap, they actually take somebody's life. I mean, they get so irate, they just blow their top, they take someone's life. It could be a child, a spouse, someone in the community, whatever, someone who they're arguing with over where the property lines are and the property or whatever, and they lose it. And the other thing that I am concerned about this is Debbie claims that she doesn't watch the show, but I've come home and it's been on the channel where Snapped is right before that when I come home. So I have a few questions about that, but not too many, lest she snapped. But the whole idea here is this. Sometimes we're killing the other person by being insistent on having our own way. And any one of those styles can be insistent. The lion can be insistent. Even the possum, I'm insistent. I'm just going to curl up. Deer in the headlights, I don't know what to do with this anyhow. So I just say we pretend it goes away. Rabbit, let's both run from this. Any one of those styles can be insistent on having the conflict either be handled the way they want to handle it and have their perspective on it. But the truth is this. When we begin to see conflict as an opportunity to consider a third option, we're starting to go down the right road. When you and I can begin to look at conflict as the ability and the opportunity to see a third option, not my option, not your option in total, but a third option, When we see it as the ability to be able to sit calmly and look at my option, the way I'd like to handle it. And then we look at your option, the way you like to handle it. And then we say to God, what's your option? Shine your light on this conflict. Help us. Help us do this. And the only way that I know how to do that is to begin to own that some percentage of this conflict is mine. Because here's what happens. When I'm insistent on the fact that, yeah, and the technical staff back there is like, oh, here he comes with a flip chart again. He's a killer. He's killing us two weeks in a row. But when I'm insistent, actually, they're, they're very actually kind to me about all this stuff, but uh, they just remind me all the time, no one can see what you drew up there, okay? And I said, well, mostly it's just for me, <laughs> just an exercise for me. But if, if, uh, let's say that conflict is this uh, big circle here. It's just, let's say this is, uh, this is our conflict pie, all right? And this is the conflict that we keep coming back to. It's one that disturbs our family, disturbs each other. We don't quite know what to do with it. And uh, so we, we, we circle back to it. It seems to be more than just a problem to solve. It is a tension to manage, Okay. And, and sometimes we just want to solve it and get it over with. And probably it is somewhat of a tension to be managed in our relationship, in our family, in our life, okay? Um, and so here's what happens. When I'm insistent on my own way as regarding this pie, and I stand outside of it, and I say, this is the way to do it. This is how to handle that. This is my way regarding that. We should do this, 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 this. And I kind of have my credo down here or whatever. When I do that, I'm really not owning any of that. I'm saying, I'm a consultant. I'm above and beyond all this. And if you would just come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I will help solve this problem. But I'm not owning that I'm any part of it. And the only way that I can really be part of owning my part and inviting my family to own their part and us bring it before God is for me to say, you know what? There is some slice of this pie that's mine. There's some slice of it that's mine. 
and I contribute to it. And even my attitude of feeling like I know how to solve this is part of mine. This morning you were given a little uh, a slip of paper. And just I want you to pull it out right now. And I want you to think for a minute about something that you have a conflict in in your family. It can be large or small. Where maybe you have felt like, hey, if we all just did this, this would be fine. But you folks are messing me up. Why can't we all just get along on this? And today, God said to you, hey, a part of this is yours. A part of this is yours. Now, I would have liked to have had your little pieces of paper sliced into pie pieces, but that would have taken a lot for the staff and for the volunteers staff who come in and, and stuff all the bowls and put it together to do that. So just imagine that it's your piece of the pie, that little slip of paper. And you might want to write on it, my attitude. You might want to write on it, my perspective. You might want to write on it, my way. You might want to write on it, whatever the issue is, where you feel like, and you know from our talking this morning, that you've been standing outside of it, and you need to take some ownership. Because here's what happens. As long as I stand, you and I stand out here looking in there, and why don't those people do that, I really don't own it. I don't own that I'm in the struggle with my family, that I'm in this dynamic, that I can engage with them. So I don't. I stay somewhat disengaged, and I stay somewhat proud and aloof. But once I say, I'm part of it, I'm part of it, then I own it. And I can walk in this process that we're going to talk about in number two, in point two this morning, is that when I bring my peace and the other person brings their peace, then we can bring it to God. And so the second question is this. What if I started trying to get what Jesus wants, what Christ wants, what God wants? What if I flipped that? What if I flipped from what I want to what Christ wants or what God wants in my relationship with other people? Okay? And uh, in, uh, when we're in conflict with one another, it's because we have this kind of unresolved thing. You want something. I want something. But when you start to go down the road to go, you know what? Maybe this conflict is somewhat of an opportunity, even maybe a gift, for us discovering what God wants. And here's why I say that. There's a chance, and a big chance, that what you want isn't all wrong. I'm not standing here this morning just saying what you want in your relationship is all wrong. You're just totally sinful. It's all about you. It's all, you know, and because I don't believe that about your spouse or about your kids. Usually when we have a conflict, there are different perspectives about the subject matter here. Mine and yours. But we need to sit down and say, this is my perspective, your perspective. And then out of what we studied the last couple of weeks, out of reverence for Christ... We submit our perspectives to him. We submit to one another out of our reverence for his oversight, his sacrifice, his reconciliation, his power at work in us. And the only way that I can do that is to begin to say, I'm hearing you, and in hearing you and you hearing me, let's hear him. And that's what it says in the scripture here. It says, you've failed to ask God. You've only listened you haven't listened to each other at all. You haven't even done that. And in doing that, it says when you fail to ask God, like if I say, okay, I get this down. I get my perspective. I get my kid's perspective. We start working together, and maybe we can come up with a solution to this problem. Okay? Not a bad way to deal with conflict, right? We're going to work together. But 
It says in Scripture here we're leaving out the biggest party. The one who made both of us. The one that understands us. The one that died and rose again for us to reconcile, to help us work on reconciliation, which is working on difficulties in relationships. The one that can shine his light on both perspectives and bring it out and come out with a third new way that is better than ever because it's covered in something called grace. Not performance, but the amazing grace of God in our life. And it says that right here. He gives us, as we come to him, he will what? Give us more grace. That's what happens when sometimes we get to a certain point point. we say, I've extended enough grace. And God says, I want to give you another dose of amazing grace in your relationship, in your life. As you bring this conflict before me, you bring it before me. It's interesting what the author says here of what happens when we, if we choose, if we say, you know what, good enough. I've heard this person in my family, and they've heard me, and that's good enough. But what happens, what happens if we say, we're not going to consult God? Well, strap in for the rest of the passage here. Listen to what it says. It says here, if we do not ask God, it begins with this, you adulterous people. Whoa. Thanks for that nugget of wisdom. I appreciate that. It calls us adulterers. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? What is friendship with the world? Friendship with the world is handling conflict the way the world hands conflict. Demanding their own way. At best, just hearing each other and solving it ourselves without the input of God. That's friendship with the world. Doing conflict their way. Doing reconciliation their way. You pay your part, I pay my part. God's way is no, I paid it all. I paid for both of you to be reconciled. And so bring this relationship back under my amazing grace. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? But he gives us more grace. It says here that he jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. What does that mean? The language here is that of a lover. Of a lover who is jealous. So it's saying God is jealous for us. We sing a song that says, he is jealous for me. It's part of the lyrics of the worship song that we sing. It comes from this scripture. That God is jealous for you to be full of his amazing grace and his atoning love and for you to come together as a family. He is jealous for you to be the kingdom of God here and now, a taste of heaven on earth. And when we choose the other route, we discount grace. We go back into performance. We do relationships, the world says, and we're stuck And the Word of God says, we're like someone who's cheating on our relationship with God. Cheating on our relationship with God when we do that. We're not listening to each other, and we're not listening to God. I want you to listen to how the message paraphrase puts this. Just listen to the Word of God as I read it to you. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Well, think again. They come about because you want your own way and you fight for it deep inside of yourselves. You lust for what you want. You don't have it and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and you'll risk violence to get your hands on it. 
You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know that you'd just be asking for what you don't have a right to anyhow. You're spoiled children, each wanting their own way. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies with God and His way. And do you suppose that God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's fiercely a jealous lover for us. And what He gives in His love is far better than anything else that you'll find anywhere else. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but God gives grace to those who are willingly humble before him. So let God do his work and his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get back on your feet again. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get back on your feet again. I submit to you today that for some of us, dealing with conflict today comes back to something called repentance. God, I want your way. Not my way. Have your own way. Have your own way, Lord, have your own way. I'm the potter, you are the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, make me after your will while I'm waiting, yielded and still. It's a classic Christian song that I sang in the church growing up. So I know the lyrics, they just run right off of my lips. But are they true in my life? Are they true in your life? While I'm waited, yielded and still. Yielded and still. I want us to pray a prayer, and then I want us to think about something. On the way in this morning, you saw some firemen outside, and they weren't because the place was on fire. Rick helped us out with that. But they're out there because we have some burn barrels out there this morning. The burn barrels out there this morning are for that little slip of paper that you have and what you wrote on it this morning. And some of you this morning need to take some time to take that out to the burn barrel and to put it down. Some of you need to take some time to come back in and meet with a prayer partner. And some of you, it's not for you to go to the burn barrel this morning. Maybe you just need to sit there with it. But for many of you, you know, this is the day that I stop being a friend of the world and I start being God's friend. And I start taking His grace into me and into my family so that my family is someplace called sacred space. In the um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality curriculum book and in the DVDs and the lessons, I've gone through that course about three times now and my wife keeps sending me back and I say, why do, why do I have to keep taking it? And she says, well, when you're emotionally healthy, then you can stop. No, she's very kind to me about that. But I've enjoyed taking the course because I keep learning and growing. There's exercises in there. One of the exercises in there is called creating sacred space. And it starts out with, this is me. And when we listen to each other and we have some intersection, this is you. And uh, sometimes we're intersecting here on listening. Sometimes we're intersecting here on maybe some conflict in our life. But there's some intersection of, of me and you, Okay. 
You can apply this to your family. Me and you can be yourself, yourself and your spouse, yourself and one of your children, uh, your, you know, whatever. Um, so, I, so we come to each other, but this whole idea of inviting God in is when we invite God into that relationship and that third party, then here, this place that we meet with God right in the middle is sacred space. And there's four ways of nurturing. We can't create it. God creates it. But we can nurture sacred space. Number one, we nurture sacred space when we leave our own world. When we say, this isn't about my opinion or getting my way. I'm willing to leave my own world. My way of looking at it. My way of dissecting it. My way of resolving it. And we say, I'm willing to come into your space. I'm willing to leave here. And I'm willing to move toward here. Okay? The second step is stepping into their world. Receiving their world and their thoughts and their thinking and their emotions. It's valid. You are a valid person. You have something to offer. You have something to give. This took me so long with my kids. I wish it did, hadn't took, taken me so long with my kids. To see them as having valid opinions and abilities to think through things. And I remember being with my son just a few years ago. And we were mowing the grass in the backyard. And it was one of those days where I was feeling pressured about something else. And so I was just trying to get out there and get some things done. And he wasn't mowing the grass to my satisfaction. And so I went down over the hill. And he's on the side of the hill mowing. He's got the harder part of mowing. You know, I've got the up front flat part. And we're both doing this with hand mowers and stuff. And, and I'm telling him, you know, you're supposed to go around the flower beds one time before you start doing it. And then you pick out something in the horizon and you, you go toward it. Just like if you were driving a tractor. And, you, and he's like looking at me like, I've never driven a tractor. What is wrong with you? And I'm just honest. And I didn't realize it was because I, my pressure to perform somewhere else was I was bringing that out on him. See, I was being pushed to produce something. And so I'm pushing him to do it. I don't really know I'm doing that in the moment. And, and finally, I'm telling him, you know, you need to bag this better, and the stuff isn't straight. And, you know, I'm just going in a diatribe about, you know, we're going to mow this in three or four days again anyhow, right? And he very respectfully said to me, Dad, can I say something to you? He asked me. because I said, yeah. He said, and I said, what is it? You know, I turned around with my sword. What is it? And he said, Dad. And he didn't say this in a mean way. He just said it in a calm. He said, Dad, you're freaking out. <laughs> and actually, the way he said it to me, at first I thought, well, that's, you're not allowed to say it to me. I'm the dad. I'm the, you know. And then I thought, wow, this is a gift from him. This could be, you know, he's got an opinion. You know, I, I probably look a little freaky right now. <laughs> he's giving me a gift of his perspective. And I need to receive it. And that's what's sacred space, that second step of you have something to offer me. You've been assigned by God to me. We're together. We're a family. You do know some things. You have some good thoughts. You have some insights. And when you tell me some things, even if you have to tell me at times, hey, you're looking a little freaky, that's a gift. Because hardly anybody else is able to say that to you with the intention of love that that person in your family. Someone else tells you you're a little freaky and here's your papers, get out. Give up your workstation and we're taking you out to the car. There's no love there. Either you perform a certain way or you're out. But our families are full of God's amazing grace. Families where grace 
is in place. So the third one is holding on to yourself. When you do this, sometimes you can start to go over here, oh, you're right about everything. Your perspective has been super. I'm not a person at all. Whatever you think. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's not becoming codependent on your family and they're all right. Okay, so you hold on to yourself. You are a person in God's sight. He's given you opinions, abilities to think about things. He, he loves you. He's given you gifts, and so you have something to hold on to. But then as you do that, you hang in the balance between those two worlds. You hang between my world and their world in the power of the living Christ. You hang in the balance, being informed by God. God, speak to us. Tell us. Help us. Reconcile us. Redeem us with amazing grace again together. And when we do that, we're doing what Christ did for us on the cross. He left his world. He entered our world. He held on to himself, but he hung between two worlds so we could be redeemed. And so our relationships can be informed with what? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. And that's what he has for us. And so this morning, I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we're going to move into a spiritual exercise. And in that exercise, you can take your piece of paper and you can get up from your seat and you're going to be able to walk out the doors and go out there and safely burn what you've been holding on to so long. And some of you know, today's the day for me to do that. Today's the day. I wrote it down. I know it. And I need to surrender all to Christ. It isn't about my way. It isn't even about their way. It's about his way. And it's about amazing grace invading me and invading my family as I give up my way, my rights, my perspective as I give that up to you. Some of you will sit and you'll fill out your response card. Some of you will go do that and you'll go, you're welcome to go meet with the prayer partners down the hallway as you do that. But after I pray this morning, I want you to respond. And for many of you, that means getting up, going out, doing that act, and submitting it to God. So let's talk to him for a moment in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you warn us very adamantly in your word. Don't cheat on me. Don't do conflict the way the world does. Don't demand your own way. Accept your spouse and your family and your children and your work this through. Leave your world. Come into their world. Let my amazing grace hang you in the balance and hang with you in the balance as you find a new way. Lord, thank you for creating sacred space in us and in our relationships, in our family, in our community, and in our church family. Thanks for this poignant reminder this morning that no matter how we would normally handle conflict, you have a new and living way, a third way, a third way that redeems us again, brings us together, and helps us to live under amazing grace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning I'd say to you, this is your response time. Maybe take that piece of paper, and as the song begins to play, just find your way out there and say to Christ, I surrender all. I surrender this to you, and I'm looking for your way to resolve conflict in my family so my family's a place that's bathed in your amazing grace. Take some time to respond this morning.
please stand and sing this song with us. And please feel free to continue to go out to the barrels if you need to. You are the author of life, just one word, and I am free. You are my Savior, and I need your grace to rescue me. And I things in a barrel as you led us by our spirit to do that and we torched things that we held on to lord we left go and we're free now we're free to walk in amazing grace we're free to say that you're all that we need we're free to say that we surrender to you 24 7 and so lord when we go back to those places where we want to be a friend of this earth and not bring your kingdom remind us Pull us back by your amazing grace. Give us more grace. Give us more grace, Lord God. 
and pull us back in by your amazing grace. And so we sing to you this morning, you are all that we need. You're more than enough than what we need. And we lift ourselves up to you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing this last song out as an anthem, Christ is more than enough. Thank you.